Hey everyone, this is Matt Reynolds, the president and founder of Spirit and Truth, and I want to thank you for listening to the Spirit and Truth podcast. Uh, We're so grateful to connect with you. Today, before we begin our episode, I just wanted to uh, share this special message and just ask you to consider prayerfully partnering with our ministry through giving. I don't know if you know this or not, but Spirit and Truth is a standalone 501c3, and everything that we do as a ministry, from our uh, church equipping to all of our resources like Firebrand Magazine to our global partnership and church planting in places like Kenya, all of it is made possible through individuals just like you and through churches who believe in our mission to help raise up more and more people who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in the truth, and mobilized for the mission. And so we're in a critical time of fundraising right now as a ministry, and we'd love for you to prayerfully consider becoming one of our ministry partners. If you'd like to do that, you can go to spiritandtruth.life slash give, and we would appreciate anything that you might be able to give, either a one-time gift or even becoming a monthly ministry partner. All of the information is available there on the website. Again, thanks so much. Thanks in advance for partnering with us in this in this mission to see the church really become fully alive, both in the U.S. and around the globe. Uh, we love you, and we, we appreciate getting to partner with you. You're listening to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. On today's episode, Matt, Emma, and I talk about what it means to have an eternal perspective. The fall is here again, and that usually means an increase in activity for a lot of us. Church programming is ramping up, headed towards Advent, kids are back in school, and the hustle and bustle can take over really quickly. So we thought we'd have a conversation about what it means to have perspective and how to keep the main thing the main thing. More than anything, we just really wanted to offer a word of encouragement, and so that's what this conversation is all about. It's a good one, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maggie Ulmer, and I am sitting here today with Emma Winchester and Matt Reynolds. And today we are going to talk about what it means to live life with an eternal perspective. And why, why are we talking about this today? Well, we were talking about, before we started recording, um, it just, uh, at least when we we're recording this, it just turned over into October, and at least in the church world, I know just from over the years as a pastor, it's a busy time, but it's just a busy time for people in general, not just in the church world, but school, as school starts back up, usually end of August, you got all of the busyness of that in September, sports stuff starting, and um, in ministry world, you've got all of the fall programming starting up. And sometimes it just feels like, honestly, as a parent, as a person, certainly as a pastor, sometimes it feels like a sprint from, you know, beginning of September with the startup of school straight through to Christmas. Mm. It just, yeah, sometimes it just zaps you, you know, it feels, mm-hmm. it feels like a lot. And um, so we thought maybe this was a topic that could help, help us think through, um, you know, what's really important and how we can actually find joy and and look at everything that's, you know, around us at what we're experiencing, not just in a temporal sense of like all of the stuff that's swirling, but how do we root ourselves in something greater than that, uh, which can keep us anchored in the busyness. Amen to that. What do you think, Emma? Yeah, along those same lines, it's just so good 
to be encouraged, mm-hmm. you know, in the midst of, of the sprinting and of the activities. It's, it's really, really good to just be reminded of why we do what we do and um, just remember who's at the center of everything. So, Amen. And I, I know for me, and I, I feel like, yes, encouragement. And also I, I'm one for always like, what is the spiritual reality right now? And yeah. it is October. And as a, as a friend of mine likes to call it, it's like spiritual flu season mm. because yeah. culturally there's just a lot of extra embrace of the occult and things like that. So that does have a bearing. It does have an effect on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for folks that are listening, you know, this is actually, this was kind of a new thing for me a few years back, and um, I was experiencing some weird stuff in my own, you know, I don't want to go into this, this is really what not the whole podcast is supposed (laughs) to be about, but I just want to say, you know, that the spiritual world is real, Mm -hmm. and as New Testament Christians, we believe both in the active presence of the Holy Spirit, and that God is, is at work in the world, and that there are demonic forces at work in the world. And, you know, things like, uh, you know, witchcraft and, you know, spiritual oppression are real things. And sometimes, as I do really think there are sometimes where seasons where those things are intensified yeah. and, uh, you know, I was going through some weird stuff a number of years ago at this exact time of year. And it was, you know, Dr. Bellini, you know, talking to him and he's like, he started asking me a bunch of diagnostic kind of questions. And then he was like, yep, that sounds about right. And then we had a prayer time and, uh, it was incredible and crazy and (laughs) things changed. And so I'm just saying, uh, I don't want to get into the weeds on all that stuff, but it's not just, you know, this is a, this is, can be a difficult time for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And all of those things, all of those mental, physical, practical, and spiritual things all kind of go hand Combined. in hand. Combined, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yes, they do. And so it's right about now mm-hmm. in the season where it's really good to press into spiritual disciplines and also just be reminded that Jesus is alive. Yeah, Jesus is alive. He's in charge. Holy Spirit is in charge. Yeah. Everything else. There's victory. Not in charge. You know. <laughs> yes, there is victory. I know that um, one of the things that I've been doing lately is just waking up and saying, uh, you know, the normal things I pray, you know, Jesus, I give this day to you. But also I remind myself I'm a daughter, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my identity is in Christ. It's not in anything else. So. You know, one of the, we started off by saying we want to talk about eternal perspective. And I think one of the consistent invitations in scripture is to reorient our vision and how we look at the world, how we understand our lives, and how we uh, interpret what's around us in light of the spiritual reality that we believe is true and um, sort of the scale, the scope of eternity uh, where we find ourselves. And so, uh, I want to read a, a couple of scriptures. I'll start off with this one from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This, is all, this has been kind of one of, my, one of my go-to life verses for a long time, and it's, kind of a, it's that kind of a verse, an, an invitation to reorient the way that you're looking at, at both your troubles and um, 
you know, every part of your life. And so Paul writes, um, therefore, this is in verse 16 of chapter 4, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So up, up top, you're just, you're, you're seeing an acknowledgement that, in fact, mm-hmm. you know, life includes decay. I mean, our physical bodies, in fact, are decaying as time goes on, and things around us break down. That is the reality in which we find ourselves. And yet, he's saying, as someone who experienced a lot of hardship in his life, remember, this is, the person writing this was shipwrecked multiple times, you know, beaten, stoned. Like, I've never been shipwrecked once, let alone, you know, more than once. Uh, thrown in prison, he said, "You know, you know, I've learned what it is to have, what it, to have much and have little. Like starving. I mean, this guy has been through it all, and yet he says, therefore we do not lose heart in spite of all that stuff. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. Again, think of what I just described with Paul. He calls those light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all." So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Mm. So I think this is a powerful, powerful invitation from Paul to sort of to reorient where where our life gaze is, for lack of a better word, where where the sort of vision of our life is fixed. And I. Uh, you can stare at your problems, your busyness, your chaos, the stuff that's swirling around you. If you fix yourself on that, inevitably you start to feel chaotic and, you know, crazy and hard, you know, things are hard and all of that. When that, that consumes your attention, when that's where your eyes are fixed, you know, uh, you often say, Emma, you become what you behold, right? When that's the thing that you're focusing on all the time, it affects you. And so Paul's invitation is actually, let's not, that stuff is light and momentary. When you understand the reality that in fact, this is but a blip, you know, mm-hmm. a moment in light of eternity and what is in store for us uh, because of who we are in Christ, you can endure anything if you have your vision in the right place. When you start to actually think about things in light of eternity and what actually matters. I think that's a, that's both a uh, encouraging and hopeful and I think a convicting thought mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I, at least I know for me, I get sometimes so caught up or, you know, fussy about something that in the end, it literally, I won't even, wor- it won't even matter a year from now, let alone 10 millennium from now. You know what I mean? Like in, in eternity. Yeah. You know. Go ahead, Emma. Yeah, it just reminds me, the scripture that I have open is from Philippians 3, where Paul also says, um, one thing that I do is I forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then this is what you're talking about. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if we think anything otherwise, God will reveal it to you. Let us hold to what is true that we have attained. And so it's, that is the it is a, an encouraging word. And also it's like, oh, I might be immature in the way that I'm thinking about life right now because it's about what prize you're looking towards. Yeah. So it's encouraging and correcting. 
uh, yeah, and I think actually that's the that's really what we're talking about when we say having an eternal perspective in one way in some senses the way that you do that is by doing exactly what we're doing right now like you go to scripture and you allow it to sort of correct or reframe Mm -hmm. what um what you're beholding how you understand your reality and it also allows you to reprioritize um correctly you know what's really important what's not and um I'm just going to say, since we're all reading scripture here, that one of the things that I always, I like to read a lot of Galatians, the chapter five, verse 13, it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. So I, for me personally, I always feel relief whenever there's a call to humility and Mm -hmm. in scripture and i like i read the beatitudes a lot because Mm -hmm. it reminds me you don't have to be the strongest in the room you don't have to say everything you don't have to be the smartest you don't have to know everything just be meek be low be humble because and it's interesting at the beginning of the beatitudes when he says blessed are the poor in spirit that greek word means happy Mm -hmm. and you know scripture doesn't talk about like happiness a ton yeah and so but there it is happy are those who are poor in spirit so i think it just it provides relief you don't have to do what is god's word but back to galatians at the end of that chapter is the fruit of the spirit and that's another really helpful and um, correcting standard is i always ask myself are you being patient are you being loving are you being generous you know and if you're not, then, <laughs> yeah. you know, eternal perspective is not something you're operating out of. I remember uh, back at the very beginning of my time in full-time ministry, I was a youth pastor for several years. And I remember talking, you know, with uh, middle school and high school students about this idea of eternal perspective. Um, I had, honestly, if it, that, that particular phrase, eternal perspective, has kind of stuck in me for a long time. I heard a talk about it when I was in college mm. and it struck me in a really profound way and it just kind of like I could never shake it. And um, because I just like had this like gnawing thought like, oh man, when you really think about eternity, a lot of this stuff that I worry about really doesn't matter at all. You know yeah. what I mean? And so uh, anyways, I was trying to talk to middle school and high school students about this and you know, when you're that age, <laughs> I mean, you're thinking like 10 seconds in front of yeah. you. Yeah, you, know? you can't get out of your own world. No, I used to call it, I would, with my high school students, I called it the snow globe syndrome. Like, it's I was like, so true. you think you you know the whole world and what you really are, you, you're like, you're inside of a snow globe and mm-hmm. that's how much of the world you understand. Or like, your perspective is so limited because everything is just you centered and right in front of your face right and that's like that's the reality of growing up right i mean that's just the world gets bigger and messier the more the longer you live but i remember so to go back to that what i did at one time to try to like reinforce this because i was trying to come up with some way to like make this you know point to them and i had i did this a couple of different times with different groups i I took a super long string, like from one end of the gym to the other. I had a kid sh- stretch out this super long line. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
okay, let's just like let's just pretend this is like a timeline of eternity, right? Like now in reality we can't actually eternity is longer than any like mm-hmm. you can't actually see it. It just goes on forever. Mm-hmm. This the string goes out the wall and wraps around the earth and out you know, like it mm-hmm. just keeps going. I said like where you know, the amount of time you have on this earth, like how would you visualize that on on the uh, on the string? And I would have someone this is kind of gross, but it's what you do in your youth pastor. I would have someone uh, ha- chewing a piece of gum, and I would have them spit that into my hand, which is so Ew. gross. I know, but you know, you get a reaction from the kids. And I would just put that tiny little you know, piece of gum on the string, and I would be like, "It's smaller than this, right?" And they're looking at this string that's you yeah. know stretched across the whole gym, and I'm like, "So." You know, we get so worked up about what's happening in yeah. this day or th- whatever. I said, in reality, your entire life in the scope of eternity is like, what is it say in James? Like, it's, grass. it's but a, a mist, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, go- here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah. Just here. And so when you start to, we don't think about things in that term. Everything, you know, is so now focused. Mm-hmm. But as Christians, we're called to live with a bigger perspective than that. Mm-hmm. That life isn't just about what's right in front of my face. That in fact, there's something larger at play here. And when you can start to wrap your minds around that, all of a sudden, that one person who's mad at me at church right now, or that thing that's not, it's not working out like I thought it was going to, it feels like things are falling apart, whatever that thing is in your life, all of a sudden, when you start to think about the reality of who we are and where we're headed, that stuff starts to shrink and its importance in your life and the sort of grip that it has on you starts to shrink as you focus on eternity. So so there's a really interesting kind of, I, I don't know what the right word to use is. I'm going to use the word tension, but ten, I don't mean it in a negative way. There's an interesting kind of like tension that comes with having an eternal perspective and understanding exactly what you've explained, that that your life is such a small fragment of the whole eternal perspective and really God's whole plan. So on the one hand, it's very freeing because you're just like, okay, I cannot have, I can't mess up God's plan. Yeah. I can't, I can't. On the other hand, and so there's relief there, right? Like from mistakes, from perfectionism. I think, but because we know that God desires partnership with us, it also frees us up to just run the race. Yeah. To just do the thing. Don't worry about it so much. Just do it. Yeah. And there are, what it it, it actually does, on the one hand, it doesn't, uh, I think real sort of biblical eternal perspective does not lead you to a place of just sort of it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whatever everything is is going to be what it is so i just check out actually it's an invitation to care about really small things Mm. like when i sit down and spend time in prayer this morning with the lord it's an opportunity in this moment to participate in sort of like the eternal reality for which I was created, of which I will be a part for all eternity. Mm-hmm. So in fact, this little tiny thing, which I usually deprioritize, you know, 
I'm just speaking in general. Like, this is mm-hmm. what we do. Yeah. I deprioritize this thing because whatever, this thing at work or this thing with my kids seems so pressing and so important. But when you, when you think about eternity, actually, it's an invitation to care about this little thing mm-hmm. because, in fact, that is the thing that will then echo through eternity. And this stuff that I'm so worried about that's temporal is just going to fade away, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not a it's not an invitation to check out. It's actually, I think, an invitation in light of heaven, in light of what's coming, in light of eternity, to care about little things when, when they're in partnership with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, this reminds me of the scripture um, in Matthew 6 where Jesus teaches uh, the section on do not be anxious yeah. about anything. Yeah. And, you know, it goes on and on about the, the birds and the grass and the flowers and all of those things. Um, and, and Jesus says, so seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. And so often we flip it, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I have to figure out all of this stuff. And then in my free time, I'll seek first <laughs> or then I'll, then I'll seek the kingdom. Yeah. Then I'll seek him and his righteousness. But it has to be the way that we were created for. I do think that this kind of perspective that we're talking about can be an antidote to anxiety. Yeah. 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 It just reframes everything in your life. What matters? Like, will this thing actually last? Mm -hmm. Or is this just a short, you know, as Paul said, just a light and momentary trouble that is not, you know, that will fade away giving way to eternal glory, you know? Right. Because the thing, the, the things that we're worried about, God is not worried about. No. Right. Yeah. And so when we seek him, he's like, yeah, I got you. You know, I, I have you in my hand. I'm taking care of that, but I need you to seek me. Amen. It's, it's so funny that, that phrase, God is not worried. It's such a, um, like the first time it dawns on you, th- oh, you're not worried about the yeah. things I'm worried about. It's really kind of earth shaking. Yeah. Yeah, there was one moment I remember years ago where someone was preaching on this, actually, and she said, God is not sitting up in heaven, tapping his knees, twiddling his fingers, and just, like, freaking out because nothing is in control, everyone is whatever. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It was a light bulb moment where Mm -hmm. I realized, wow, if I do seek him, like, his peace will be upon me because I will know that he is ordering everything yeah I Matt I feel like briefly because I wrote a piece for firebrand a long time ago where there's that that passage from he run the race persevere yeah, yeah. we've talked about that briefly that scripture passage what is the address of Hebrews that? 12 Hebrews 12 that's yeah. right um that you know that revelation that God is not worried came to me when I was like in a very difficult season and I was a single parent and I was dealing with all of the things and and it just I one day I was sitting there in my living room with a little baby asleep next to me on the couch and I was looking out the window and I was racked with anxiety like money legal things just and also just whatever just the shame that was happening in my life at that time and I think this happens to people like we just get mired in our own stuff. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is it can be real. It's, you know, sometimes it's not just like snow globe syndrome. Sometimes you're just like, these problems are so much bigger than I know how to deal with. And God is so gracious because 
when we are in those places, we really just need to seek earnestly his, like his solution, his comfort, his care, and just say, Jesus, what do I do? Mm-hmm. What yeah. do I do? And I remember looking out the window and saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know. And it was one of those moments where I had no more scheming, no more ideas, no more, if I just, and all of a sudden I just realized, oh, God's not worried. But it was a kind of um, all pervasive, like, sense of his largeness that made everything melt. And, you know, was everything perfect the week after or the week after that? No, no, mm-hmm. it wasn't. Like, that's a main, you have to maintain yeah. this perspective. Yeah. But it was, it was, yeah, mind blowing. But ever since then, God's not worried. He's not worried about stuff ever. Yeah. All right, I got one more. One of my very, one of my other favorite scriptures on this topic um, comes from Colossians chapter three, and I think this is this is great because if you this is complicated to understand, I think uh, to wrap mm-hmm. your mind around, but when you get it, it really does change your perspective. Uh, Paul writes, "Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Mm-hmm. Set your hearts on things above, mm-hmm. where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God." Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So, um, th- it, you know, in this scripture, I think uh, Paul is just, he's calling us again to set our minds, you know, on heavenly things, not on earthly things. And then the reason that he says we can do that is he says because Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Mm -hmm. And he says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Like your identity, whether you realize it or not, has actually already changed. Yes. Who you are is in fact different. And what your, your status, maybe you don't see it. Maybe you can't understand it in your temporal circumstances. But in fact, you are seated with Christ yeah. in heavenly places right now, mm-hmm. right? Like because of what Jesus has done. Um, now, I can't, I'm just going to be honest. I can't totally wrap my mind around that. I don't exactly understand all of that. <laughs> yeah. But I do know it means that things are changed, that things right. are different. And that even when things look hard in front of me, yeah. the reality is my status is not defined by the circumstances that are right in front of my face. Mm-hmm. I have a question. So Matt, how do you, cause I mean, not to, not to like, like make you feel weird or anything, but okay. So you run this ministry. We, you know, we're a part of this ministry too, but you kind of, you founded this ministry, you run this ministry. If you've been a part of the spirit and truth sort of family for any length of time, likely you've heard some version of the story of how he started this ministry how do you, as someone who started something or any pastor or leader who's mo- leading something that is kind of big and beyond your self in a, in a way, beyond your immediate ability to do stuff, how do you maintain this perspective? Both have like a sense of, okay, it's the small stuff that matters, but also God is asking me to do a really big thing. Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> well, 
I think you actually don't, and I've said this before, but at least in my experience, you don't start by thinking that you're going to do some big thing. Yeah. That big things happen in the kingdom really just as a result of lots of small steps of obedience. Mm -hmm. And so I never entered into this thing thinking I'm going to build some big ministry and blah, blah, blah. Like that stuff just wasn't in my mind. Um, I mean, I never thought of, I was going to start a ministry to begin with. That was just never, that was never a part of the plan. For me, it has always just been, I mean, I, I probably sound so basic, but it's really just been like, well, I think God's asking me to do this thing, like whatever, like take a step of faith and quit my job <laughs> or, you know, like I think, I believe the Lord's asking me to just start this. I have no idea what it's going to be or how it's going to happen or how we're going to have any money or I don't know. I just think he's asking me to do it. So I'm just going to do it. You know, like I'm just going to, in faith, I'm going to trust what I believe the Lord is telling me to do. And so it's never been, uh, for me, like living with an eternal perspective is really, is about if I believe that the God of all the universe is leading me to something, even if it seems small or odd or out of the norm, then it's trusting him enough to do it because what if in fact he wants to do something through this that has eternal value, both in my life and in the life of others. Mm -hmm. Um, That's to me, even if it doesn't look on the surface practical or normal is not, that's the thing that value that I value more than anything is like, could I just want to stay in the center of God's will? I mean, that's all I ever want. (laughs) So I don't think I, I, you know, we have a lot of cool opportunities at Spirit and Truth. I don't know what this ministry will be in the coming years or how God might use it or whether it will always exist, you know. In some ways, I've said that we've said this before. I mean, you know, our heart is to see the church fully alive. We want to just, you know, continue to see churches empowered and on fire with the Holy Spirit and just living basic, you know, back to the basics kind of Christianity. Maybe we'll get to a place where all the churches are like that. We don't need a ministry, you know, like this. That would be amazing, you know? Uh, So I don't know what the future is. I'm not shooting for some grandiose thing. Yeah. I just, but my, the sense of eternity and sort of like the sense in which I believe that in fact, what God is doing in the world is the most important thing that I could spend my life on. Mm-hmm. that's an invitation to trust him with small decisions, which in, I think yeah. what I've experienced then sometimes add up to things that you did not anticipate or are bigger than what you feel confident or comfortable with, you know? And, you know, that's just the way the Lord works. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think the encouraging thing about that is that even if you are, in the thick of the grind of the hustle of Mm -hmm. the worry of the sprint when you're in the thick of it that's it's it doesn't have to remain like that like what i hear you saying matt is you know you can make small decisions to correct your vision to correct your perspective and they will just be small to begin with but then you'll be able to look back and be like oh 
I have actually shifted my life a lot since yeah. I started. But it just requires you to ask, Lord, what's one way that I can shift my perspective to you? Yeah. yeah. The question that I ask myself all the time, and I encourage others to do this. I think I heard it from someone else, this phrase, but it's just been a refrain in my life for many years now. What is my next faithful step? Yeah. Like, I don't know what's going to happen 10 steps after that. And trust me, I'm kind of a planner. I do like scheming things up. Like, mm-hmm. I like, you know, dreaming about the future and all of that. But I can't, I can't make that stuff happen. So I'm constantly coming back to this question. Lord, what are you asking me to do right now? What's my next faithful step? Yeah. And I'll do that and trust trust you with whatever comes after that, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that that is such an important and good um, framework and illustration because a lot of times, I mean, God ha- is a faithful, faithful father and he's generous and he gives us gifts. And a lot of people who love Jesus walk around saying, Lord, use me. I want to do something for you. You know, we have, we often are filled with this desire to like express our love for Jesus in big ways but he's always asking us to just follow him and that's how we can you know stop ourselves from tripping over our own feet and mm-hmm. but um yeah. so that's really good that's good you know i do i have i feel like this is getting off into a whole nother thing but i have ran into people who like um have grandiose ideas like you know, I want to do something big, big for God. Big for Jesus, yeah. You know, but at least in my life, now I may it's not like this for everybody else, uh, I just don't think you just decide to do something big. Yeah. I just don't think it works like that mm-hmm. because I oftentimes, and I feel like I see this in the church a lot, and this is what we're trying to invite people into even in our weekends that we do with churches. We say we want to see, you know, for example, we say we want to see revival, in our churches. Yeah. But then when someone invites you like, well, will you come and pray with me at 6 a.m. this, you know, or, you know, could we, why don't, could we have an all night prayer vigil this week? Well, I, you know, I've got a lot of stuff going on or whatever. We say we want big things and yet we won't make small decisions that include an element of sacrifice or that require a level of risk and trust that actually, sort of puts, you know, rubber meets the road kind of moments. And it's like, well, I just don't, and I don't, I don't mean this to be sound harsh, but I just don't, I don't think the Lord's going to like lead you into big stuff. If, if you haven't demonstrated, you'll be faithful with small stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a scriptural thing. Yes, it is. You know, like if you're not willing to like make hard choices to be faithful in the little, like stop worrying about some big thing that you want to do for Jesus. If you're like, if, if he's, inviting you to spend time with him in prayer or to like make a practical change in your life to prioritize him in a different way if you're not willing to do those things then you you don't get to just jump straight to like i'm gonna save the world yeah you know because in fact here's the reality and this is what i you know i've sort of the reality that i've lived with the whole time in my own life I can't save the world anyways. Mm-hmm. And Jesus doesn't need me to save the world. He already did. Mm-hmm. He already did. And he can use anyone to do anything that he wants. Mm-hmm. What he really wants is me to be 
to be near him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's really inviting me into a place of intimacy with him and and he wants to shape my own life. And you know, he can use anyone to accomplish the things that he wants to accomplish in the world. I've confident Jesus knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> but I'm the only person who can be the the Matt Reynolds that he's created me to be. Yeah. The unique, you know, each person created in the image of God with this beautiful uniqueness created to be in relationship with the father. Like you're the only person who can live out that calling. Right. So if you focus and start there, it, to me, the, at least what I've seen is when I begin in that place, inevitably as I'm shaped, God leads me into things where he uses me in some way, even ways that I usually am not anticipating to have an impact on others. That's the, what he does. Yeah. But it doesn't start by trying to short circuit that, uh, that first part yeah. and just jump to accomplishing something big for God. And I think that actually just to bring this full circle, I feel like I'm talking too much full circle back to our original topic. That's why I think an eternal perspective can actually take all the pressure off. Yes. Yeah. Right. In your, in your ministry, in your life right now, just whoever's listening to this, look, you don't have to save the world. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have everything nailed down. The programs at your church don't have to be perfect. Just like focus on your life in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. And trust him enough to, to take small steps of obedience, even when they're costly, and see what he'll do with it. If you, if you feel him calling you to a, a deeper life of prayer, then don't try to scheme up some church thing that you need to do with that or plan some big, okay, well, then I'm going to plan, plan a big prayer vigil. How about you show up this week and sit in the sanctuary a few times for an hour yeah. and just you pray yourself? And, like, just you can start small but in ways that end up leading to big things. And I think an eternal perspective sort of shifts your mentality to say, like, what actually matters and how can I just, how can I focus on the things that actually have eternal value and not feel like I need to manufacture something um, so that I can sort of gain some value in these other areas that are end up, they're just going to fade away anyways. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I want to give one practical do it challenge, which I never normally have. Yeah, it's it. very <laughs> unlike me to think practically, but... Um, <laughs> Emma never thinks practically. But one thing, I only know that this is this works because I've been doing it in my own life. So the one thing that you can just start doing, it costs very little, is when you are approached with a situation or a circumstance or worry or striving or whatever you're falling into, just turn your attention and say, Lord, you sit enthroned forever. You sit enthroned forever. And that, I've been just saying that breath prayer recently, and it really does change slowly your perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that doesn't cost anything but your own willingness to change your attention, where yeah. you're putting your attention. And so that is just one small, practical way that you can start having a more eternal perspective. Yep. 
Yeah. You have anything to add to that, Matt? No, I love that so much. And I think I, I think it was your husband, Maggie, uh, Rob, my good friend, who drew attention to this one time. The fact that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God yeah. is a yeah. beautiful image yeah. because when do you sit down? You sit down when the work is done. That's mm-hmm. right. Right? And that's just another kind of reminder. He's He's not anxious. Mm-hmm. He's not fretting. Not worried. He's seated at the right hand of God, like on the throne. Yep. Everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Everything. So whoever's listening, just hear that as a word of encouragement for you right now. Mm-hmm. Not for somebody else, for you. Whatever it is you are freaking out about, whatever is swirling around you in your life, in your church, with your kids, whatever it is, it's okay. Yep. It's going to be okay. Jesus is on the throne. You fix your eyes on him. And in the end, uh, you're going to exchange these light and momentary troubles for eternal glory mm-hmm. because of what he's done. He's already finished that work. Amen. Amen. Well, that's been our podcast for today, you guys. I mean, I hope you're in as encouraged as I think we all are just having the conversation. So hit that subscribe button. <laughs> Feels like a strange thing to say, but... This is what we do. Hit that subscribe button and share this episode with a friend, especially a friend who needs a word of encouragement right now. And um, we'll come back to you in the next conversation.